Welcome to LOA Today. Walt Thiessen and Life Coach Tom Wells here. Today is Monday, June the 4th, 2018, 8 a.m. Eastern Time, your first daily dose of happy for the day. And uh, we are uh, dealing with uh, different weather patterns today. I have rain all day. Tom has sun all day. So we're trying to figure out how to merge the two together so he can get some moisture and we can get some, some nice clear sunlight. Tom, have we figured out how to do that yet? <laughs> Well, yeah, it's called geoengineering, and <laughs> a lot of people are are really afraid of that. I, I didn't, I didn't really, I don't really look into it that much, but uh, they're afraid that too many people are manipulating the environment. But uh, no, we'll do, we'll do it with consciousness. We'll just um, imagine that the Earth is uh, is a giant organism that knows how to regulate itself, and it's not up to us to figure it out. Which and, happens to be uh, true, by the way. Yes, I think it's really true. And for yeah. us to be worried about it, we just put a wonky vibe into it. So what we want to do is just be in a vibration of trust that everything is going to be just fine and everything is just fine. And let's see how much we can enjoy what is um, and anticipate more of what we want and just allow it to flow. So That's what our show is about today. <laughs> so enough of the wonky vibes. That's that's the bottom line here. No more wonky vibes. <laughs> yeah, as much as possible. And if we do a wonky vibe, that's okay too. Oh, it is oh, okay. Just we just there's no such thing there. as anything wrong, right? This is true. Yeah, that's that's you can't been, get it wrong. You'll you can't never get, get it wrong. Done. You never get it done. Or or to put it another way, you always get it right, and the road goes on forever. So yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah, that's the Walt Thiessen. That's version. the Walt Thiessen version, yeah. I, well, I have this pattern. I'm, I'm noticing more and more the various ways we express things in the negative. Even Abraham does, and I think they do it mainly because they're talking to humans who speak a lot in the negative. But I'm <laughs> realizing there's a great deal of value in speaking things positively, you know, from the from the positive perspective. Same concept, same idea, just say it the positive way instead of the negative way. In yeah, fact, yeah. Lu Louise and I call that turn it around. So if one of us notices the other expressing something negatively the other person will say well turn it around oh yeah what mm -hmm. it means is and then you translate it into what the positive version is mm -hmm. and, and you know there's yeah go ahead no i was just gonna say and, and i find that when we do that it feels better it's a better feeling place i mean it's 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 still the same idea and i mean the way abraham for instance expressed that phrase um, you can't get it wrong you'll never get it done that's still a, a positive phrase for the most part but when you mm -hmm. turn it into um, you know, you can't, you, 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 you're always right. And the road goes on forever. It, it feels even better. That, that's what I find when, when I turn the, I whatever the so. phrase is into positive, it feels even better. So that's why I've got this policy going. So anyway, what were you going to say? Well, I had an experience with talking with somebody this weekend where they were, um, expressing themselves, telling me a story about what happened to a friend of theirs, but they were doing it in a way that I felt was bringing, it was bothering me because it was telling me a lot of details about the negative aspects of the situation. And, mm -hmm. and um, this person was wanting to do it in a way to say that, well, this is, this is what's happening. This is my friend is going through this and I'm telling you about it. But I was saying to her how this is hard for me to hear because it, it is so um, <clears throat> kind of like negative story you know it's a sad story it's a it's a upsetting story and to hear all the different details of it excuse me um seems a bit um burdensome to me because 
isn't there a way to talk about this situation where it seems that you're taking attack of what's the uplifting, possibly uplifting and soothing solution to this person's situation rather than what are all the bad aspects of it and how deep and ingrained and, and really troublesome are those negative aspects. And, um, and this person felt like that I was sort of um, dissing her, you know, like in a way making her wrong for simply repeating the facts of the situation, you might say. Mm-hmm. And I said, but the way we say things makes a huge difference as to how those facts are unfolding. And it makes a huge difference as to the vibration you're broadcasting into the world. And, um, but she sort of took offense to it as if it was, you know, crippling to her relationship to me of for me to point out that I didn't want to hear the, the negative aspects of the story. <laughs> I know what you so mean. That, it's yeah. the same sort of thing, you know, which is yeah. what, what, what do you, what is your focus doing to the situation and to you and to me, you know, and, and is there another way to tell the story, another f- way to focus on it that could be very helpful in the sense of you're expressing compassion for that person and you're expressing, well, how would you like to see the energy flow in a better feeling way? And that we're powerful creators. And so it makes a difference how we tell a story. One thing right? that I found with people who, who do that, because I mean, I think we've all run into that, right? And we may have even mm-hmm. done it ourselves. Oh, I do it. My, oh, I do it. I used to do it myself constantly. And yeah, I pr- sure. probably still do it. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. It's a, it's a very common and almost fundamental human thing to do. And I think it's probably cultural. We're taught culturally to do it. But nevertheless, we do it a lot. And yeah. I found a phrase that I use that it doesn't, it isn't always as effective as I would like it to be, but it often mm-hmm. is, certainly a lot more often than not using it at all. Um, and that is, well, the good news is, <laughs> and, and then try to reframe part of the story in terms of good news. And, and you first do of all, say that a lot. I just realized that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, that's why I do it. Because yeah, you know, anytime right that you on. get into something that, that has that negative spin to it, you know it doesn't feel so good. You can feel it, right? So. Mm-hmm. How can I turn that around into something that feels better? And often it, well, it, it has usually one of two kinds of results with the person I'm talking to. On the one hand, you get the person who no matter how you turn it into good news, they will be determined to turn it into bad news. <laughs> Just yeah. absolutely yeah. determined. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. So they're fixated. Well, yeah, that is the good news. But on the other hand, this horrible thing is still going on. You know? <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so you get that. But the other thing that I sometimes get, and this is where I feel like it's really making some some headway, is I'll say what the good news is, and they'll say, well, yeah, that's true. That is the good news. And then all of a sudden, the spew of negativity slows to a trickle. That's right. And then, you know, after a moment, you, you come up with another good piece of news that's good news. Oh, yeah, that is good news. And eventually, often within just a few minutes, the other person kind of stops because yeah. focusing on the good news took the angst away from it. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. it can actually work either way. I think it just depends on how receptive the person that you're talking with feels at that particular time. If they're receptive to any degree at all, focusing on the good news is actually going to help derail them from the negative spin they're on. Yeah, that's really beautiful. That's actually what happened was, I, I felt, was that when I saw this person later in the day, um, she kept pointing out to me when I would be telling a story that wasn't very positive about something. And she would say, what's a better feeling story you could tell about ah. that? 
And so each time I would go, ah, thank you. You know, and then I would, <laughs> I would immediately, you know, spin a story, even if it was fantastic story, but it just a story that sounded better. And it made me realize how helpful it is to be with a, another person who will, you know, notice when you're, you know, drifting into that right. zone of telling a story in, in a way that you don't want that outcome that you're talking about, or it's a, it's a less than wonderful outcome, you know, mm. but you don't necessarily have to keep saying it that way. And if somebody else helps you see it, you can see your own blind spots that way. That's right. I didn't need to, I didn't need to really be talking about it in that way. Let me talk about it in this way. <laughs> and those and blind spots are so easy to, to have. I mean, very often, yeah. you know, you, you have a whole conversation. It isn't, maybe you don't even notice it at all. Or perhaps like an hour later, you realize, wow, I really went negative there. Why didn't I notice that? <laughs> But it's mm -hmm. so easy to do. So, yeah, to have somebody to point that out to you, as long as they're doing it in a way that's also positive and constructive, is fabulous. Yeah, yeah. So that's the beauty of being hanging out with people who are into law of attraction or they have this kind of understanding. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and why it's been so frustrating for me is our last podcast was about friendships and how friendships can change over time. And if you're with a person who simply is determined to speak about things um, to address working on change in the world by looking at what's negative and what's not working and how difficult it all is. And then, you know, mounting into a, a battle against it, that um, that's really a different way to approach change. Yeah. Not that, not that that approach is completely to, you know, I'm not, I can't put anybody in a box and make anybody wrong. Cause I've done it a lot myself, you know, let me fight against this thing. And oh, sure. therefore I, I will win. But I believe that that's the old paradigm that is fading out of the world. Hopefully mm. more and more is that people are going, you know, I, I'm going to just stay on the positive side of the emotional scale as much as I can and see what kind of transformation takes place by my getting happier and happier and more and more soothing myself and looking more and more for what's working, what's working, you know, what feels good, all that, you know, I think that there's a tremendous amount of change that can take place from that perspective, rather than always feeling that I have to dive in with both feet into the, into the muck and the mire and get immersed in it. And therefore that's how we're going to fight the beast. You know, we're going to go head to head with it, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, but yeah, you're in the vibration of the, of the problem and the beasts, you know, you're going to, you're going to vibrate with a lot of that and it's going to be a fight and it's it could get pretty bloody. Plus there's a lot to be said for, pursuing topics and interests that you like that have when you when you approach them you approach them in a very positive way and a way that produces very positive results in other words deliberate creation right yeah. um, and an example of that <clears throat> excuse me last week i i put out there i started putting out there that i'm looking for uh, just listeners and you know ordinary people who want to share their law of attraction stories, similar to what the book we just put out with all the coaches telling their stories. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. over the weekend, I started reaching out on uh, social media, looking for people who had success stories. I actually did some searching for them and found some, and I've already found a couple people who are willing and interested in sharing their stories. So you know, the, the second book is already underway in a sense, and <laughs> that activity of just reaching out to do something that is all about the positive feels mm -hmm. really good. That's a wonderful way to that, approach a project like that. Well, that's the yeah. best part about doing a project like this because it's an all positive project anyway. 
I mean, any time yeah. that you're telling a law of attraction story, unless it's I mean, it's possible to have a law of attraction story for sure that that has an, a negative spin to it, because if you focus on negative, you tend to attract negative. So certainly that is possible to do. But my tendency <laughs> is to want to find the positive stories. And most people want to tell the positive stories, as it turns out. You know, even uh-huh. if they don't have it available, that's what they really want to do. They want to tell the, the positive story. Uh-huh. So you you know from the get-go that... You know, for the most part, when you're putting out there, I want law of attraction stories, people are going to be coming back to you with positive law of attraction stories. Well, that gets you in a good frame of mind just knowing you're going to get good stuff coming back to you. It gets it uh-huh. gets you into a very positive frame. So, I yeah. mean, I didn't spend a lot of time on it, but the time I, I spent on it felt really good. Really, really That's good. wonderful. Yeah. yeah. That's how when I created these dances I created here in Boulder, Colorado, I did them with this understanding within myself that if this isn't fun every step of the way, I'm not doing it, you know? And so, you know, as I would be creating all the iTunes playlists and looking for the music and, you know, I could run into frustrating obstacles at times and I would back away and say, okay, how could I imagine this and do this in a more, in a way that feels good to me and it feels Mm -hmm. fun. It feels enlivening. And invariably, it would take me back to enjoying the music that I was creating, because really, why am I putting on a dance with amazing music from all over the world is because I want to, you know, turn people onto this amazing music. And I want to have a blast listening to it and creating a playlist that is fantastic, you know. And so so the more I just was in that headspace and then I I brought that into the marketing aspect of it, you know, I'm going to go out and I'm going to put things all over the CU campus in Boulder and all over the other college campus here. And I'm going to, you know, go to all these really cool restaurants and I'm going to leave postcard flyers and go to the local theater and all these places so that people find out about the dance and, you know, and put ads in that have fantastic images in the ads, you know, of, cause the thing that was called dancing, dancing awake your indigenous soul. So I had all these really cool pictures of indigenous dancers and things and, but it was, it was all in all, it was a pretty dang fun thing to do. And of course the dance itself was fantastic. Sure. And I just, I just loved to dance. So these were two hour long freestyle conscious dancing. And so, yeah, to do projects that way, it's, it's amazing. You know, um, that would be a cool name of a book. You're all positive project or creating all positive <laughs> projects you know, by Walt Thiessen. You know, it could be like an amazing well, by Tom Wells, actually. Well, <laughs> Tom Wells. Yes, of course. Tom is becoming very famous. There you go. The, the thing I love about what we've been talking about is not only does it feel good, but they are both examples, both your, what you were talking about, and what I was talking about are examples of taking uh, inspired deliberate action that is inspired by the positive thing we're focusing on. For instance, when yes. I was when I was uh, focused on the idea of well, doing the second book, as soon as I got the idea of putting it out in the podcast, I started putting it out in the podcast. And by the way, mm-hmm. I don't want to miss an opportunity. So, you know, listeners, especially if you're a new listener, if you're a new listener, by the way, I want you to subscribe. We want you to subscribe because we're finding that when people subscribe, they're listening to a lot of episodes and they listen to a lot of episodes every month because they're good episodes. They give them that daily dose of happy. That's the whole point of it. Um, All the instructions are right on the homepage at LOAToday.net. So just go there to subscribe and then make sure you share with friends that you subscribe so that they know about it too. But once you're a subscriber or even until before you're a subscriber, 
If you have anything that has happened in your life where you deliberately tried to apply the law of attraction, leverage it to your benefit, and you produced a result that you felt really, really good about, and you want to share the story in some way, you don't have to write the story. Just contact us. Contact me through the website contact page or send me an email at walt at LOAToday.net or even to our general stories at LOAToday.net email addresses. Um, but whatever way you want to contact us, contact us. You can even go to the Facebook page, LOA Today on the Facebook. Um, but whatever method you use to contact us, just contact us. And I'll set up a time with you where we can do either a phone conversation or a Skype call or a Zoom call or something like that, um, depending on where you're located. And I will just capture all the details and I'll write the story. I'll tell your story for you. And my, my goal is to get uh, 30 stories put together, a, a month's worth of stories, in other words. The idea is to have a, a reader that you can read one story a day. And once I have that collection of 30 stories, we're going to do another book. So, <laughs> you know, don't want you to miss the opportunity. Please do contact me because uh, it's not like you're going to have to write any of it. You, all you'll do is just tell me about it. I'll write the story up. And uh, people would love to hear your story. That's what we're getting from the first book. People are loving reading stories of people who had experiences where they attracted what they wanted most and and got it and you know all the the good stuff that comes with that people are enjoying that a lot so why not let people enjoy your story too hmm. nice yeah and their name will be mentioned if that's up to the... them that's a good oh. point it's up to them if, if you want to use your real name i'll use your real name in the story if you want me to use a pseudonym for you i'll use a pseudonym the story is the important part anyway. And, you know, if you, you want your privacy protected, I totally understand that. You know, so mm -hmm. be glad to protect your privacy. All we have to do is just change your name. So if your name is Joanne, we'll call you Deborah or, you know, whatever. We'll just, you know, give you a different name, different location, whatever it takes to make it as, as private as possible. Mm -hmm. Sweet. Yeah. So what are we talking about for a topic today, Tom? Well, we've kind of been talking about it already. It's a topic of experiencing your life <laughs> and uh, <laughs> what is what is calling you. Um, and if there's this thing that's called a kundalini awakening, which um, my understanding that's come out of India over many, many, many centuries, uh, this practice of awakening what's considered in, you might say, in image terms to be like a coiled snake that lives at the base of the spine and that when this snake is actually awakened this energy in the body it it moves up the spine and it eventually comes into the head and it's uh, a massive life transforming event for a lot of people they're never the same after they have this kundalini awakening um, it affects the heart it, it affects you know all the chakras you might say the, all the energy centers of the body are affected as this energy moves up the spine. And I know in Taoism and the Chinese traditions, they talk about this in essentially the same thing from what I can tell as moving the chi up the spine. And that they believe that a lot of that is centered in what's called the Dantian, the, this place that's right in between the navel, right? Just several inches below the navel. That's, that's one of the main centers of this energy in the body. And there's another Dantian in the heart area. But I've been fascinated with all this stuff for the last year or so because, um, well, I, I had a really good friend who had a kundalini awakening that happened to him when he was probably just in his 30s or maybe even his 20s. But it 
it so affected his life that it, you might say, destabilized his entire life experience for years on end because uh, he didn't know what had happened and he and he couldn't he couldn't reckon with the energy that was in his body and how it affected his sleep and his eating and his moods and everything was being vastly affected by the fact that there was this this thing alive in him, this energy that was just just beyond his control. And so that seemed pretty intense to me, not something I would really want to experience, especially in that way. But then I've also heard that that when this energy awakens in a person's body, that it can be so enlightening and so illuminating that it's it's uh it's associated with with enlightenment. You're literally understanding, well, what I'm doing here in a human body, it becomes vastly informed by this concentrated, amazing energy that you could call source itself that is that is electrically you might say stimulating the whole body and mind and heart in such a way that it is incredibly life transforming in beautiful ways when it is when it is happening in a controlled way you might say and it's unfolding in a way that the person who's the recipient of it who's allowing it to happen is able to you might say regulate how that energy is unfolding it, so, yeah, it sounds like it could be both scary on the one hand and, and exciting on the other hand. And it sounds like it would be the same experience. It's just how you perceived it. Mm -hmm. And I, I was looking up, you know, what, what Abraham has to say about it. And, and, and I, I listened to several episodes and they, they tend to explain it as this is fine if you want to pursue this, but recognize the fact that this source energy is in every one of the trillions of cells in your body every second. And it's never not active in you. And the thing is whether or not you have this longing to experience it in these different ways. And that is normal that we as conscious creators, we'd like to expand our ability to receive this beautiful energy and to let it inform our activities and our actions and our words and everything. You know, we, we want to be filled with this beautiful love, this wonderful thing that creates this whole universe. Um, but they do put a whole lot of emphasis on the fact that um, it's similar to pursuing um, a drug experience or drinking alcohol or other experiences where you want to be over the top, but are you ready for it? So their main thing they're saying is, you know, be if you're going to pursue things like this, be in a place where you're, where you're open to the, you have to be receptive as receptive as you are for, for what you're asking for. You know, in mm -hmm. other words, the asking can be really a big longing that somebody wants to just be enlightened. They just want to know what the heck am I doing here? And the reason that I made this a topic today is because it's such a big issue in my life. Cause I've always wanted to know the answers to the bigger questions, you know, what is this really all about and how can I get to the, to the meat of it, to the essence of it? as quickly as possible. And yet my life, I've never had that many mystical experiences, you know, what you might call a mystical experience. Um, and so I have this longing. I've always had this longing that I want more mystical experience, but yet I've had this nice slow gradual unfolding of my consciousness that's gone on over the last 50 years that I'm really happy with. I'm very happy to be who I am and where I'm at in my life. But there's this longing in there to want to experience 
you know, more fulfillment and more uh, adventures in the world of cosmic consciousness, you might say, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's why I thought it was an interesting topic, because there may be other people in our audience who also have deep longing for um, knowing themselves in a in an infinite way, you know, in this transcendent way that where they see, Oh, I really see how I'm infinite consciousness. Now it's really obvious to me. Um, when a person does certain plant drug experiences like ayahuasca or peyote, or even when they do DMT, you know, which is a synthesized, um, thing or psilocybin, you know, they, they have these experiences that are life altering that some people are never the same from the time that they do those substances, those plant medicines. And um, so I feel like it's something worth looking at a little bit. What's that all about? You know, are these, I, are these other realms or is this just in us all the time? I, I remember um, in my youth experimenting like many people do in their youth and, and trying stuff like that. And I guess everybody will come to different conclusions. For myself, the conclusion I came to was I really don't want to use any kind of mind-altering drug in order to get myself into some kind of better connection with source energy. I'd rather learn to do it directly without yeah. – like, from my perspective, doing it with a drug is like using a crutch. I don't want mm-hmm. to learn to, to walk using a crutch. I want to learn to walk, period. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then when I learn to walk and I've learned to walk, then I want to learn to run. You know, I, I want to be able to do it myself just because I can do it. But I know there are other people who, you know, they, they love the idea of, of using a, a substance like that. I, I don't know. I, I guess it just varies from person to person. It does. And, but, you know, this Kundalini thing is not about using a drug. It's about just simply saying, you know, well, what is, what is the potential of, you know, like why would a person do meditation or not do meditation? Well, meditation could be said, you know, to be used just to have stability and inner peace and, and, you know, greater focus in your life and to take your mind off your problems and worries and let yourself be in this place where you're not consciously pursuing your thoughts. You're, you're pursuing more like, well, what's my heart telling me? What's my intuition telling me? What's my soul want for me today? And that's why I do meditation every day. I want to tap into that. So that's a very organic natural Mm -hmm. process. So, Kundalini is is an awakening of more of the same of that. And the question is, you know, if we if we go after awakening more and more of this dormant energy that lives within us, what um what's that like? And and is it is it necessary? And like you say, it's a very personal choice. But mm. these things exist, you know, these things exist in us. And if a person's on an infinite journey, as I feel like I am, then I want to know. You know, and I want to experience what's possible. And the interesting thing is that I noticed with Abraham, they say, but but the real thing is that this whole world is is actually a Kundalini experience, you might say. And mm-hmm. as my friend, my friend who's had a Kundalini awakening always says, this whole world is is Kundalini. It's all this magic energy of source. And so when we look at the 3d reality, we're actually looking at source manifesting, you know, and you were reading, you should maybe read that thing you were reading before we got on the podcast. Cause I think uh, from the universe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's it's really relevant to this. Yeah. Um, 
course, it'll take me a moment to get the email open because I wasn't anticipating oh. this. I normally would have all this stuff like ready, you know, ready to go. And like, oh, oh, yeah, I, go. I forgot. About I should have <laughs> told you that uh, that I was curious. Call about that. Yeah. Well, that's all right. I just have to. Find well, it. I mean, the good news is that I, I file all these. I mean, I literally have every note from the universe that I received since I first subscribed to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm not sure exa- exactly what the count is, but it's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot. And notes, notes from the universe are a, 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 it's an email you can get every day for, yes. if you're interested as our listeners here, it's comes from this guy named Mike Dooley, who's one of the law of attraction teachers who's out there doing it in a big way, inviting people to all kinds of, you know, adventures that go around the world and big conventions that he throws uh, to teach you law of attraction from his perspective, which is very interesting. I've never gone to one of his things, but I've read three of his books and find his stuff is pretty refreshing and lighthearted. And yet he's very cosmic in the way he approaches it. Yeah. Mike's best known for being one of the presenters in the secret. He's the one who talks about thoughts become things. So mm-hmm. that if you've seen the secret, you know, which guy we're talking about. Um, but yeah, I found the email. Here's what it says today. And normally these are actually fairly short. Usually it's like, you know, two or three sentences. This one's like five, six, seven sentences, something like that. It says, can you imagine an astral plane somewhere out there where very old souls rendezvous to practice and perfect their most highly developed manifestation techniques? A members only kind of place where whatever they think about comes to life in the most vivid colors and sounds, and as the most intricate plots and circumstances, where the only limits that exist lie in their ability to imagine what they've never before imagined and move with it in anticipation of its physical expression, and best of all, being astral, no harm can come to them. They're completely untouchable. Nothing is real, yet everything matters. And there can be infinite gains in terms of insight and fun, yet no losses since everything is illusory. Actually, the scariest thing that can happen is that they temporarily become so entranced by their creations, they completely forget who they are, where they are, and how powerful they really are. (laughs) Yep, it's exactly like this astral plane. (laughs) To your point. it (laughs) It is this astral plane. So... You know, to me, the question is always, well, what's possible here? You know, and what what is it that I really would like to be experiencing? And I I'm I'm sort of caught between these two worlds, one world where I want to just be taken into ecstasy as much as I possibly can be in ecstasy. And of course, why wouldn't I want that? And I'm experiencing a lot more of that in my life. I, I'm I'm in a relationship where that ecstasy is really coming alive in in my connection to this woman and and i feel like wow you know thank you life Mm. thank you planet earth thank you my own consciousness for making this choice and um and and in every other aspect of my life like i'm creating a group coaching program i'm going to be offering to the public and i want it to also explore this realm of what's possible for us here to to experience and people have been asking this for centuries and centuries and centuries. And, oh, sure. You know, but it, but it is, um, I like you say, I guess it's a very personal thing because you can you can be into you know your local sports team and you know your family and that can be your your high. You know, it can be your choice on this time around in a human body that you're going to just focus on 
things like that. And that can be very, very satisfying. Mm -hmm. So it's not for me to, to like imagine that everybody's got to have a mystical quote unquote mystical experience or of some kind or a, a super transcendental like cosmic experience. <laughs> I realize that this is what I want in a way, but I also want the mundane because I love to just go on a walk and look at the beauty of nature. I love to just go over to a friend's house and have a wonderful dinner and watch a movie, you know? So I'm, I'm kind of like love. I, I want to just be in love with, well, what is this that we're creating here and how can we infuse it with as much joy as we possibly can? I also want to comment on your use of the word mundane, because certainly that's a word we use a lot. Mm -hmm. And the comment I want to make is I've been more and more becoming aware of the fact that truly there is nothing that is mundane. Because mm, what's mundane? Nice. Mundane is usually like, you know, that that's boring, average, everyday stuff. You know, nothing new. Yes, right. You know, old right. news. It's all old news. And what I'm became, becoming more and more aware of is the, the happier I make myself, the better I am at controlling my uh, emotional response to things so that I'm responding as positively as possible, the less the mundane stuff seems to be mundane. And mm -hmm. the more interesting the so-called mundane stuff seems to become. And I know mm -hmm. that's me. I, I know that's me. I, as I'm making my own change in my emotional set point and in my perspective about life, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm kind of, in a sense, waking up to just how cool life really is. But mm -hmm. what it seems like, from my perspective, is that life is becoming more interesting. <laughs> it's yeah. all kind of lighting up a little bit more, you know? And mm -hmm. that, that's a fun experience. It's fun to watch it get better and better as I get better and better. At least that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, and you made... You, you made me realize as, as you were telling that uh, story about the idea of mundane that it just triggers in me the fact that things are only mundane if we think they are. Exactly. It's just, it's just an attitude, right? Like when we right. decide that things are boring, that's, that's inside of us. That's not necessarily what things are. They, but that's what we're deciding things are because we're deciding, well, I've seen, been there, done that. I've seen that. That's a repeat. This is a, I'm in a, I'm in a rut and, and, um, you know, then we kind of maybe blame the environment we're in. You know, I don't have enough money. I'm in a rut. I you know if I had more money, I could be having a better life. I could be having a more exciting life a more fulfilling life. And definitely something like money can definitely <laughs> change our situation, but it's really our attitude. Um, because some people, you know, they make a ton of money and they're still not happy. They're still not finding a way to be at peace or a way to have fun, you know, they, they're, they're trying to, but it's like, it's such so much, a really poor person can be having a fantastic life. I, I remember watching this documentary about these people in India that leave, live in these incredible slums, you know, that are just go on for miles and miles and miles that are every house is made of cardboard and pieces of, you know, sheet metal and, and just, just ridiculous. And they're living over water and in marshes and, all these strange places and they went in and were interviewing some of these people and they were just happy. I mean, mm -hmm. like six of them lived in a little tiny, you know, <laughs> shack with practically nothing to eat, but they, you know, the guy would go out and he would ride his, uh, you know, bicycle, his, you know, pulling people around new Delhi or wherever this was all day long and come back home to this little squalor of a place with all these kids. And they would all be laughing, <laughs> having mm -hmm. so much fun and, it just made me realize that, yeah, it's just so much in your attitude. It's it so really much. Is. 
The, but the, to have, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say that the, the thing that I've been noticing, and this kind of ties into whether or not something is mundane, is as my attitude shifts, I become. How am I express? How do I want to express this? As I as I look at something differently, it takes on new shape. It takes on new form, and what that ends up producing is a new kind of experience. So mm-hmm. every day becomes a new experience. Hmm. When I look at life that way, it, let's go back to what mundane is. Mundane is like boring, dull, right? It reminds mm-hmm. me of the of the of the T shirt that came out about I don't know twenty years ago, something like that. Been there, done that, got the T-shirt. It became a cliche, actually, right? Mm-hmm. Been mm-hmm. there, done that, got the T-shirt. And I remember the first time I, I heard that, I said to myself, well, that's kind of a funny thing to say. Not the typical reaction most people would have. Most people would say, oh, yeah, yeah, I get that. I've been there. i done that. I got the T-shirt. Mm-hmm. But the reason, it, I, and I couldn't have told you at the time why it, it, it just didn't click nicely with me. But I think I know now why. It didn't click nicely with me because it was almost dismissive. Like I've done mm-hmm. that. I I dismiss mm-hmm. it now. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah. dismissiveness just doesn't resonate with me. I mean, for me, the the exciting thing is discovering just how exciting life is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, inclusiveness, you know, maybe. Well, inclusiveness, so yeah, but it's more yeah. like. The Kundalini experience, as you described it. Now, I I have to say, I knew nothing about Kundalini before you talked about it. I had heard the word that was about it. I couldn't have told you what it was. I mean, if you asked me to define Kundalini, I would have had as much trouble defining that as I would have had trouble defining the word blah, blah, because I have no idea what blah, blah is. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you gave it some shape. And as you gave it some shape, this energy experience, I realized that's what is happening more and more. For me, I am experiencing more and more energy experiences and by energy Mm. experiences Mm. i mean i am finding more and more ways to discover the energy that is already in everything and to in effect quote see it unquote although i can't necessarily see it like like wendy's friend Mm. keisha can do keisha can actually see energy i kind of envy Mm -hmm. that but um Mm. i can't really see the energy but i am becoming more aware of energy in everything and yeah. as I become more and more aware of it, that's cool. You know, it's not the kind of thing I'd want to say, well, I've been there. I've done that. I got the T-shirt. It's, to me, that's not, that sounds like it's just over. Okay, that, you know, that's on my bucket list. Okay, cross that one off. I'm done. No, mm-hmm. that's not the way mm-hmm. it feels to me. To me, it's like I want to keep doing that. I want mm-hmm. to keep inspiring. I don't want to say that just because I got there once that I'm done with it. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's what I was reacting to when I first heard that phrase, been there, done that, got the t-shirt, it's like they were dismissing the experience. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they didn't see it that way, but that's the way it felt to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I find that I keep this thing alive in me of, of just wanting to always go higher, go deeper, go further, go, you know, simpler, go happier, go, you know, just, just it's this constant sense of I want to expand, I want to grow, I want to be on the leading edge of my possibilities, you know, while I'm here and, and when I go too, you know, I want to just keep on trucking throughout mm-hmm, the yeah. universe for in for eternity in a sense, if this is, you know, and just being opening these doors to possibility are, it's a fascinating thing. And yet the message that I keep getting is 
you, Tom, need to open those doors in gentle ways. You need to do it in ways that are easy on your psyche that are flowing and gradual and just let it, let it continually unfold. Because whenever I've taken, you know, plunges with both feet, um, I once jumped in a well after singing into it when I was drunk and I knocked out both my front teeth, you know, on the way down. Yeah. And, and it was like, that was, I thought so symptomatic of part of me that just, it really wants to just jump into things with both feet and, um, but is not, you know, it's sort of like throw all my cares to the wind about what could happen to me. Mm. And, uh, and that can be dangerous because life keeps showing me just, just be gentle and, and easy and consistent and smooth with your expansion of your consciousness. And you will experience it in a, in a much more um, appropriate way for your, for your ease and for you will continue to expand, but it doesn't have to be dramatic. It doesn't have to be, this great big giant kundalini awakening that just shakes up your whole life. And then you're never the same. You know, that's not necessarily what I want. I I just have to go back to the well thing first. Cause I'm thinking about that. You jumped (laughs) into the well, right? And and I'm thinking to myself, I, I know that if I had had that impulse to jump into the well, the very, very, very first thought that would have occurred to me before I could even take a step was how am I going to get out of the well? Yeah, but when you're drunk, I guess. You know, yeah, well, yeah. And I was with two of my really good friends, and it wasn't actually. I could see the bottom, and it was about ten feet down. And yes, it's true that I was too inebriated to think about how I would get out. I just we had been singing into this well, the three of us, and we had all been, you know, to the Mexican restaurant drinking pitchers of beer and smoking a little cannabis and things like that. This was like 1971. Oh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. yeah. And we all, we lived on a commune together and we were all into the same kind of music, which was by this band called the incredible string band from England. They were these, uh, you know, folk type singers that were very fanciful and amazing mm-hmm. in the way they sang <laughs> and the things they sang about. So we loved their stuff so much that we had, after we'd gone to the bar, we had ended up at this other friend's house. And this was like a, a migrant shack of this um, older man who was from Mexico, who was a migrant worker here in the Colorado area. He worked the fields and we were going to go see him because he was quite a character. And, you know, we were all high and we were just having a blast. And, but when he wasn't there, we went out to this cistern in front of his house where in a lot of places in the West, they store water in these big cisterns right. that sit outside, but they have a bottom and they they open and get bigger as, you know, they have a narrow top and a big bottom and they can hold a lot of water. So they can hold a lot of rainwater and things like that. So people can get water in, in drought times out of their cistern. And um, so I could see the bottom, there was hardly any water in it, but it looked really nasty down there. But I didn't care. It wasn't what my focus was that we had been singing and harmonizing into this thing for about an hour. And we were just totally loving it. So at the end of it, I I was in ecstasy and I stood up and jumped into it. And uh, on the way down, my teeth hit the edge and... Ouch. It took yeah. quite a while for them to get me out of there. <laughs> I would imagine, yeah. They, they found a broom and a broom handle, and so I had to hold on to the broom handle, and they'd get me to the edge, and then I'd fall back in and again. Because, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah and there so was all this really nasty, brackish water in there. Afterwards, I had to bury my clothes, and Ugh. it was quite a story. It took me three months to get my teeth fixed. and Wow. I worked at a sugar beet factory 
and during that whole time to try to get my teeth fixed, working outdoors in the middle of the winter. So I never had to have a root canal because my the nerves in my teeth completely died during that. Time. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I was in ecstasy. I was happy. I was oh, really... geez. Crazy. <laughs> no, I was also not digging the pain. But anyway, that's th- that's a whole other story yeah well it's not one of your law of attraction stories but i did well it it was actually i mean because look what you attracted was all this this consequences afterward that you really didn't want but (laughs) they were there anyway (laughs) yeah and that's exactly what this thing of of wanting to have mystical experiences you can you can get yourself into weird places if you um ask for more than you're ready to receive and that's the main message i'm getting is it's really okay for me to receive higher and better and more wonderful experiences every day, but I like to have it be unfolding in a nice gradual way. Um, and we were talking about, you know, doing things from a place of, does it feel good? Does it feel good? Does it feel good? Are you enjoying this? And if so, you know, continue on. And there'll be some things that'll rock our world, but do we want to really have our world turned upside down by in in the search of you know god in the search of the highest possible thing you can experience while you're in this body how much do you want to pursue that with reckless abandon and how much do you want to just trust that hey sources on the job sources unfolding for me the most wonderful life and yes there are mystical experiences out there but really what i want to experience is the gradual unfolding of my consciousness and not something that is so radical that it makes me, you know, upsets my whole life. Yeah. I mean, cause I, I would agree with that strongly. I, I don't understand why anyone would want to have a mystical experience that knocks their teeth out. That, that to me is, yeah. that that's not a mystical experience. That That's a two by four <laughs> experience to the side of the head or perhaps yeah. to the front of the head, you know, <laughs> I mean, yeah. just, Oh no, thank you. That's not really what I had in mind. I, I suppose anything is a mystical experience, but yeah, using your terminology, I'd rather have what this a little, a little more gradual and enjoyable than that one. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that that's, comes down to the thing of like, well, what is this physical? We'll be talking about that before reading that thing from Mike Dooley. You know, this is this world already a mystical experience, and we're mm. just needing to um, have more appreciation for it. And that's why, with so much of my work with clients, it seems like practically the main work we do is developing the muscle of appreciation. The more a person relaxes about the things they have angst about and just replaces that with appreciation, the more the doors just start to open on all these different possibilities. And, um, and these things that they want, you know, if it is something transcendent and completely what you could say, mystical or wonderfully wonderful in the realm of ecstasy, and bliss that's uncalculated, that bliss is so fantastic. Well, those things will come to us sometimes just by doing the quote unquote mundane aspects of our life. Yeah. But having, having this expectation that source has got my back and source is going to, if, if I have it asking for it, I've put out my asking already. I don't have to keep asking for it. I can just trust all this will come to me. It's all, it's all unfolding in its own perfect timing. And I know my friend who has had a lot of Kundalini experiences and she is in ecstasy a lot. And she's probably the happiest, consistently happy, happiest person I've ever met in my life in terms of just pure joy that lives in her heart. Wow. And she's had a Kundalini awakening when she was really, really young. 
And I feel like that's, that's a great thing to be exposed to. And it really opens my heart to want to have that experience. But I realize that I have to just allow that to unfold. And she keeps saying to me, it's just there already. Just, just know that it's already at work. It's going to be fine. You Does know, she know what have... triggers it? I mean, her, in her own experience, is there a particular trigger or does it happen unexpectedly? How does it happen with her? It happens by certain triggers, but it happens sometimes sort of unexpectedly. Uh, I think she, she's much more in control of it than ever was at previous times in her life where it just was extremely uh, mind-blowing to her. In fact, she's writing a whole book about how extremely mind-blowing it was to her at times in her life to experience the, the fire of it, you know, the, the literally the transforming nature of it was so powerful that yes, it rocked her whole world in ways that she, you, I suppose could have said that she never would have chosen uh, or maybe she would say she would have chosen. And obviously, according to my understanding, she did choose, you know, we all are choosing the experiences we're having on one level, mm-hmm. one way or the other. So anything that's showing up in our life, it's, it's what we're asking for. Um, so in a way she said, be careful what we ask for. Um, she's even said that to me, you know, right. You know, be careful what you ask for. Um, it, it will, it will unfold in your life. So I think spirit is, or whatever it is, source is so wonderful to me because it unfolds experiences in my life in such a, <laughs> such a level headed way. Most of the time, except <laughs> when I jump, jump in the well and things like that. Yeah, it's nice to know you don't have to knock your teeth out just to have an enlightening experience. That's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. But, you know, nobody thought they were going to knock their teeth. I didn't think I was going to knock my teeth out. I was just going to go. But still, I would have probably wouldn't have been that great of an experience to jump in a bunch of brackish water. <laughs> uh, well, you know, yeah. if one man's enlightenment is another man's horror story. I guess that's really what it comes down to. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah I, I, I don't think I'd like to do that with much. my life. <laughs> I think that's mm-hmm. one. I mean, you, you were talking about how you, you were so inebriated when that happened. And I remember a time, again, I was very young. Um, I was into almost everything. And there was one night where our friends, my friends and I were out uh, drinking and carrying on and so forth. It was dead of winter in upstate New York. Uh, we were at some bar. I don't remember what. Um, and I was the driver i was the one who had the car now this was long before the concept of a designated driver so none of us were alcohol free that night and mm-hmm. all of us got pretty hammered and mm-hmm. then we all piled into the car and i'm expected to drive us home i can hardly see straight you know legally i was in serious trouble if a cop ever pulled me over and i knew it and I was really pissed at my friends because they'd put me into this, this terrible position. Like, well, no, had they put me in the position? Of course not. I'd put myself in the position. But nevertheless, my attitude at the time was, well, they put me in this terrible position, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm supposed to get us home and so forth. Well, fortunately, home was only a couple miles away. Mm-hmm. But I knew for a fact, I mean, it, it's a small town. And it's like most small towns, it has one main route through town. And if I took that main route, no way I was going to get home without a cop spotting me. And I was sure I was going to be waving around, you know, I just knew it. And so I, I sat in the car freezing cold. I mean, it was really, really cold. Um, when you, you know how it is when, when you're inebriated, you don't feel the cold as much. And I didn't, but I also had enough awareness to realize I'm a lot colder than I think I am. 
oh wow you know i i I could tell that was the case i mean Mm -hmm. plus you get certain signals like you know the the windows fogging up and stuff like that freezing over because it's so cold (laughs) so i sat there probably for about 10 minutes and i very carefully and slowly because my my brain wasn't working well worked out a back road path to get to where we lived and I mm. thought it out and thought it out, and I realized there had there was one particular part I wasn't sure about, but I realized because I knew of one road that went out, so to speak, and another road that came in, those two roads actually must have been the same road where they had a connection. So if I could just find mm. that one little piece, I could get there. Uh-huh. And so I start working along the back roads, and uh-huh. I was so I was in such a bad place in terms of you know having clear consciousness that mm-hmm. I could hardly even see it was it was snowing. For one thing, and it was coming oh. down pretty hard, oh. and you know when, when you're not seeing well, you know the the lights bouncing off things in funny ways, and and there yeah. was one particular place there where it was a rather narrow road, and there are parked cars on both sides, and I'm going at like two miles an hour, really really slowly, trying to work my way through without hitting anything, and I know I'm weaving back and forth, and I'm saying, oh my god, this is a nightmare, but I finally get to the point where I can make my turn, I, and I work my way through that back road system and got us home safely. And the next morning, I remember waking up. Well, actually, I don't think we woke up in the morning. I think we woke up in the afternoon. (laughs) But the (laughs) next time I saw my friends, I I chewed them out. I lit into them. (laughs) And they were wondering, what on earth is he going on about? Because they had no idea what had happened. They were just Uh out like a light in the backseat, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was all on you. It was all it was all on me. I was so upset about it. I oh, think that probably made more of an impact in terms of me wanting to give up all of that that uh, uh, chemical experience stuff than anything else. Just because I was so upset that night. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what you created that experience of that I upset, did. so that oh. you could say to yourself, "I don't want to do this. This is not good for me," or something. Yeah, you know, it did take me about uh, two. 30 years after that, before I realized that I had created that experience, <laughs> I didn't know that mm-hmm. at first. I didn't know that at second mm-hmm. either. It took a long time before I realized I created that experience. And I kind of carried that for the longest time. Like, oh, well, Jesus, my friends didn't do me any favors that night. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's so, oh, it's wow. so different for every person. Like you said, it's such a personal thing is I don't, I don't want anybody who's listening to this, this podcast about Kundalini to, to think that, you know what if if they want to pursue something like that 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 i i'm in any way saying don't pursue it or that we are saying you know don't don't go have experiences that that are transcendent for you or that elevate your consciousness you know quite the opposite you know like have those experiences but do it in a way that that you feel good about it you know that you feel exactly. like you're you're staying in alignment you know it's like like sometimes we go out of alignment to get back into alignment like you say you know get hit with a two by four in order to get your right. experience, but you don't, you don't need to have it that way that, that life will unfold it for each of us in a, in a really wonderful way. If we are intent on, you know, staying in that beauty, staying in that alignment with uh, our higher source self, that there's tremendous amount of help from the universe and grace that'll enable our life to unfold and unfold and unfold and unfold. And we can have, Unlimited ecstasy, I believe. It's just that let it unfold as natural as the way the leaves come on the tree in the springtime. You know, it's just it's a natural, beautiful process, but it changes that entire tree. You know, that tree is completely different animal than when it was going through the winter. And uh, 
I think that's the way that change can occur for us. Just it can happen really quickly and it can happen magnificently, but it doesn't have to be necessarily painful. It doesn't necessarily have to be that we go through this horrible portal of disaster in order to get to this beautiful place. Sometimes that does happen, you know, obviously. And there's tons of stories in mythology and all over the world of, you know, that you, you can't get to ecstasy till you pay the price to the underworld. You know, you've got, yeah. you've got to, it's like Dante's Inferno, you know, or something you, you've got to descend into the underworld in order to be able to go to the upper world. And I don't know, you know, like what that really means. So don't, take me as an authority on this. Some of our <laughs> listeners may know a lot more about this than I do. Um, well, I'm just, I'll, I'm I'll tell just you point blank. It works for me. <laughs> I, I don't think you have to go through the underworld to get to the overworld. I, I have never mm -hmm. bought into that idea. I think it's completely mm -hmm. wrong, but then uh -huh. that's just me. I just won't buy into that. And as a result, I think that's how I end up having better experiences rather than the kind that knock my front teeth out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But some people, you know, they, they don't, they don't feel like they get their, their teeth knocked out. They, they, but they feel like they, they process the deeper, darker aspects of their own soul. You might mm. say they feel like they, they take care of their, their woundedness. You know, they take care of this, the feeling that they've been traumatized or they, you know, they're carrying a, a great grief or a great sadness or a great anger, but they feel like they, something happens or they allow themselves to have an experience in their life where they finally break through. And we could say, well, it was that breakthrough through going through a lot of pain or was that breakthrough by going through a lot of joy or some combination of the two. And I think that's a very individual thing. Some people, I think they, they've had a lot of trauma and, and they, they go to a therapist or something and they, they work through it and whatever it takes, but they do get through it and they do get to a better feeling place. So well, to to, re, to reframe what Abraham says, we always get it right, and the road goes on forever. So no matter <laughs> what road we pick, you know, we may pick a road that that takes us to uh, you know the abandoned warehouse district, you know, but it's still not a wrong road. It it was the right road for us to take because that's the best decision we could make at the time. Mm -hmm. That's really what it is. I think it's learning to become uh, happy with our own decisions. That's a good one. You know, if we're happy with our own decisions, we're going to make better decisions anyway. If we're not happy mm -hmm. about them, we're going to make worse decisions because one leads mm -hmm. to the other. So it's really about becoming happy about our, our decisions. The happier we become, the, the happier our experience becomes, I think. I think so, too. And I, and I think that thing you read from Mike Dooley is so important to recognize that, like you say, you can't get it wrong, um, that this, this whole thing that we're created here on this earth is a great big illusion. And so we, even if we go through trauma and drama, it's really an illusion, you know, mm -hmm. and it's hard, mm -hmm. hard to tell that to people who are going through trauma and drama. But oh, yeah. I think when we, for example, it seems like when we die, we, we know this, we know that this is what it was. It was a, it was a grand illusion, but it was quite a play. <laughs> it was, it has been, and it's been a grand illusion to do this show. And I, I the only sad part is that it's almost over, but uh, Tom, it's been mm -hmm. a pleasure and I look forward to doing it again with you on Friday. Yeah. I look forward to it. Well, thanks a lot for today. Absolutely, and we invite you all to join us next time as well here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>